Hey everyone, it's Tony. It's David. And, and we're, we're two dudes, dudes talking Disney. Together again. Together again. Still, still social distancing. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> but we are in person. We can almost touch each other if almost. my arms are six feet long. We are adhering to the strictest of podcasting rules. That's right. We have a plate of plexiglass between us. Yes. And we are six feet, one inches apart. It's true. Yeah. So, so we're not going to tell you how we measured the one inch. No. No. How's it going? Uh, it's good, pal. It's good. Excellent. So yeah. uh, we thought we would get together tonight and celebrate the one-year anniversary of Disney+. Plus. Yes. Uh, which, oh, wait. We're, we're not here for my birthday? No. And your birthday <laughs> and my birthday. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And your birthday. It's our birthdays and Disney Plus's so. birthday. Uh, so Disney Plus debuted last year on? I may have dropped an under my breath F-bomb there. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I heard it. You don't it. think I heard it? All no. right. All right. So. But when, when did Disney Plus debut last it year? Was, I forgot the exact date. It was November. It was November 13th. 13th. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, it was yeah. a few days. So um, it's been a year. It's been a year. And obviously the the biggest uh, event in the release of Disney Plus is their series, The Mandalorian. Which uh, plays right into us because we're both Star Wars nerds, yes. geeks. Oh, uh, I don't I'm, know what you want to call us. I, I mean, I'm loving it. But, uh, you know, we're not the only ones because Disney Plus, uh, the draw of Disney, and a large part of it is The Mandalorian. There are now over 73 million subscribers which to is, Disney Plus. You know, which really, though, is a, a testament to the Disney product and the Disney name because... There, there. I don't want to. You know, there's a lot of content, but not compared to Hulu or, or uh, right. You know, Netflix. Yep. There, there is not much content. You know, and, and to have that big of a following, right, in one year, with a, a minimal content, it says a lot for the quality of the content. Well, I think they were talking about making uh, 50 million in the first four years. Yes, and they and did 73 million in 11 months. Yes, so, so that, that's gigantic. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, you know, it's it's. I hate to say it, it's become the dominant streaming service uh, here at my house. Mainly, because, you know, obviously, just not even because of um, me and Katie. It's actually, you know, Amelia too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most of her. Elena of Avalor, Doc McStuffins, with a lot of the the Disney Junior shows that she so far has grown up on, it it really it, it's her constantly watching, you know, uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, and the thing with Disney Plus is it makes a lot of these shows timeless. Um, you know, when my girls were growing up, it was the Disney Channel. Yes, and we might have had uh, you know a TiVo so that we could watch them at any point. No, we're um, when you grew up, was Disney Channel a thing? Disney Channel was not a thing. Okay, see, I, I mean, I, I now there's not that much of an age difference between us. No, there's a good ten years. Okay, I mean, there's a decade, but yeah. but you know, growing up, the Disney Channel was new. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in our childhood, and it, and it was, it, I hate to say, it was our morning routine, and right. it was funny because it was. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach back here, and you, you might have to correct me, but there was an exercise show called Mousercise. Okay. Then there was Dumbo Circus, which was a uh, like a they were like costume characters. Okay. Uh, and then there was Good Morning Mickey, which was one of the things I loved about Good Morning Mickey was it was the old like short Disney cartoons that mm-hmm. were shown, and that was like our morning before school. Okay. Uh, with the Disney Channel. All right. You now, know? see, for me, growing up, I was lucky uh, if I got to see reruns of the old Mickey Mouse Club. Okay. And I think that might have been on WGN. Uh, or some old school television, but they were they were syndicated back then, and you know it was Annette and Cubby and the, the rest of the crew from the fifties, 
you know, watching Spin and Marty and the Adventures of Zorro. Uh, so it was it was old school Mickey Mouse. Okay, and then and then the next major, I guess you'd say, jump in the Disney television thing was the Disney Afternoon. Mm-hmm. Now again, that was right in my age wheelhouse bracket, and that was the original one. I want to say it was the Gummy Bears, then Ducktales, uh, then Darkwing Duck, then Tailspin. Uh, then as time went on, Gummy Bears got dropped. Uh, uh, help me out, Goof Troop was added. Okay. And like it went through a couple of variations. Was, was Gargoyles in there uh, somewhere? I, I no, Gargoyles was a Saturday morning. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so Disney's been working at it. You know, the, for 37 years, since right. 1983, when, when the Disney Channel first opened. Well, the, like I said, the, the, the funny thing is, you know, my girls grew up in the early to mid-2000s. And at that point, you know, Disney would create a show, Hannah Montana, on yep. the show for three, on, on the air for three or four seasons. They get their 100 episodes, uh, and then they disappear. So each girl kind of had their show. You know, now with like Amelia having shows on the Disney Channel, it doesn't matter you know, she's watching Hannah Montana from 2005. Oh, she's um, watching uh, Charlie Eden Stevens. Uh, she's watching Good Luck. Uh, good Luck, good, Charlie. Yeah, she, good Luck, Baby Charlie. Yeah, she, it's funny because with, with getting Disney Plus, the first show that she kind of ventured onto outside of the standard content was that Good Luck, Charlie. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've wa- we watch that, you know, constantly, uh, you know, it, and that's one of her favorite like uh, shows now to watch is Good Luck Charlie, and it's funny right. because they recently did a uh, like a reunion okay. during the coronavirus, and like you know, to show her a picture, and like, do you know who this is? And she's like, no, like that's Baby Charlie, and Baby Charlie is like you know pretty much grown up now. Mm-hmm. Baby Charlie's got like tattoos, yeah, you know, like, um, dreadlocks. Baby Charlie's you know graduating college, mm-hmm. so it, it it's pretty interesting. But again, the the it's just unlocked all of that, you know. Uh, Disney history, right? That you now have at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. I mean, even I, you know, I like it because I like watching the stuff about the parks. But watching the the pre uh, opening show for Disneyland and, and some of those things were are to me is is just gold. The fact that you can right. just watch them, right? I'd like to see some of the content. I'm, I'm sure you saw the old Disney archives. Yes, yeah, uh, content that was put out maybe 10, 15 years ago. I used to buy mine at Costco. They were on DVD. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see a lot of that content onto Disney Plus and. You know, you talk about Disney Plus not having a lot of content on it, but there is a wide berth of content that they have yet to release. And, you know, they don't want to release it all at once. So they're doing it slowly uh, and in a graduated, well thought out, you know, manner so that you're not just bombarding people with new content every month. Right. And that's, you know, that's one of the benefits of Disney being Disney is they do have a ton of stuff yet to release. And you know, I, I don't think that that the well is going to run dry for quite some I, time. I believe the list of content that is not on there is actually bigger than the list of content that's on there. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and even there's some big blockbuster movies. Dick Tracy, one of my favorite Disney movies, is not on there. Mm-hmm. Um, just the other night, we watched Roger Rabbit. Okay. You know, so it, it is. Uh, we're, we're gearing up. We got a big uh, weekend coming up. Amelia wants to watch The Pirates of the Caribbean. Ah. And I'm I'm a little nervous because I don't know how she's going to react to the to the scarier sides, but right. she wants to. Well, she is what? She's five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah, yeah she can so, handle. Yeah, I think she could. I mean, she's she's been on Tower of Terror. She's been on Space Mountain. She's doing better than you in the ride right. category. Yeah. Hey, wait a second. I've been on all those rides, <laughs> and most importantly, she's seen you first thing in the morning. That's so true. That, that so pulls the crack you know. out. So I actually I'm looking up. So you know we're we're talking 
you know, old Disney shows. Good Morning Mickey was the first uh, animated television show. It aired on April 18th, 1983 and launched the Disney Channel. And it was at the 7 a.m. time slot. And it was the first slot changed. Um, or it was the first time slot in the, the opening day of the Disney Channel. Back, And this right. is for those younger members out there listening to us. Television didn't run 24 hours a day when we were kids. There was times where sh- channels went off the air. That's right. So, I remember HBO used to run like 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah, and, and then you would get the national anthem, yeah. uh, you know, waving flag and then static. So this opened the, the day of the Disney Channel, and it ran from, uh, like I said, 1983 to 1992. You know, I didn't even realize that uh, Telemedia had the Disney Channel in 1983. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know the Leonard kids. If it was Disney, we were we were part of you it. We were all over it. So, but it, it, you know, and again, the Disney Channel being the precursor to to Disney Plus. Yep. And uh, and providing Disney Plus with a lot of content. Yeah. So uh, once again, you know, that's nine minutes to say happy birthday, Disney. Happy Plus. birthday, Disney Plus. Happy first birthday. What uh, what what would, what did you? What was your, your the, what did you most enjoy of the first year? I've just enjoyed the variety of content. You know, I enjoy a lot of the Nat Geo stuff. Uh, with oh, the, did you the, did you catch the one on Pompeii? It was very interesting. I did not. Oh, very, I like that one. I did not. Yes. I, I have the, every intention of watching. I think it's on my watch list. Okay. Um, I've learned that Jeff Goldblum is kind of a whack job. Yeah, yeah. I think we all knew that. And I'm not sure if it's a persona, like a screen persona or... Okay, you know, if he's if, acting if, or if it's if really just him. him all the okay. time. Uh, but he is kind of a whack job. Um, you know, but I, I've really enjoyed the Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say, like, you know, we, we are in, in not just Star Wars, but the fact that you have the entire Star Wars catalog with the exception of the Christmas special. Right. You know, and most of the Marvel universe at your fingertips. You know, I, a lot of people know that I recently had a minor surgical procedure and I've been home for a month straight and I, I took full advantage of Disney+. Plus. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's really... Not much on there. I haven't watched at this point because of that. And um, hey, have you seen that show on Pompeii? I have seen the show on Pompeii, and I highly recommend it. Uh, along with the the show on the Notre Dame Church Fire, right. uh, we've talked about that before, oh, yeah. I think. But uh, you know, it, it is. It's it's uh, it's just the fact that it's at your fingertips. You know, you feel like watching a little Death Star trench run. Put it right on. You know, right. you feel like watching Avengers Assemble. It's right yep. there. So, yep. big fan of the Disney Plus and their content. Excellent. And uh, to that end, we we thought we would talk a little bit about our favorite show. Yes. The Mandalorian, which right. is now in season two. I thought you were going to bring up the Nat Geo Pompeii show. Oh, have you have you watched it? I have not watched it. Maybe no, you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So the Mandalorian season two. Uh, you know, Mandalorian follows the, in the Western, spaghetti Western style, uh, you know, follows around the Mandalorian who, uh, you know, Again, you have to get deep into Star Wars. Uh, fortunately, though, I think one of the things the show has done is that you don't need to, you need, you know, obviously right now with the crossover, and, and not to put the cart ahead of the horse, but you, you kind of need to know a little bit of back characters of different things. But for season one, it was very simple to follow, even if right. you weren't a diehard Star Wars fan. Right. You know, like Cheryl caught on, no problem. Right. I mean, there was a baby Yoda that everyone thought was super cute. And, uh, there was a guy in shiny armor. And that right. was pretty much all you needed to know. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. I cut you off. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, that, that uh, it, it was it was almost like a blank slate. But if you happen to know the backstory, it was all that much better. Yes. You know, to see some of the little uh, weenies or the touches uh, that were just put in by John Favreau and the, and the rest of the directors made it that much more enjoyable. 
you know, Cheryl's Cheryl didn't care when the troop transport pulled up right. in season one. I went nuts. I'm like, oh my god, you know that I, that was like a Sears catalog exclusive in you know 1982. So you're showing your age, Tony. You're showing your age, exactly. Um, but you know, I got a kick out of it for Cheryl. She didn't really know, uh, and you know that's the way the whole show has been. Um, do you know what the first space western was? Um, I I don't know. Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, and the only reason I know that one is because being. You know, people have that whole, like, you got to be a Star Wars or a Star Trek fan. And I, I totally disagree. I like them both. I do know that, you know, Gene Roddenberry's pitch for Star Trek was it was supposed to be a wagon, wagon train to the space. stars, you yeah. know. Yeah. And that was it. And uh, we could do a whole other show on Star Trek. Maybe we should do a Star Trek show. It's not Disney. It's not, but- it's not yeah, you know. Like, yeah, but uh, you know what, though? This is the way I see it. Uh, Captain Kirk in uh, Undiscovered Country going fire was in the great movie ride montage at the end. Okay. So I could put it in a Disney park. Okay. Um, you know, so, uh, but again, it is a, a, a space Western, as they call it. Uh, right now we're in a uh, total number of episodes at episode 11 with two seasons. And thus far, season two started off uh, with reintroducing us to one of the classic Star Wars overrated characters. Uh, Steph is right now rolling her eyes, but... Episode one, which was entitled The Marshal, brought The Mandalorian and the child back to Tatooine, which, again, one of the things I think this show is doing an excellent, excellent job of, which the people who designed Galaxy's Edge missed this chapter, is they're bringing us to familiar places. Right. And, uh, you know, bring you right back to Tatooine, right to the Mos Eisley Cantina. Um, and you're being brought to an outpost that was uh, mentioned in some of the Star Wars books mm-hmm. to meet up with a character a character played by Timothy Ophelia as Cobb Vanth. And Cobb is the marshal of most... Most Pelgo? Most Pelgo. We are not doing well here, folks, with the... <laughs> with the uh, most Pelgo, which was an old mining town that's kind of run down. Again, back to the Western you know, tie-in. It's an old mining town. And um, Cobb Vanth is the marshal. When we meet him, we find out that he is wearing Boba Fett's armor... The Mandalorian and him have a little bit of a moment, especially when he takes his helmet off, which, you know, has become a thing right. in the Man- Star Wars Mandalorians universe. Don't Mandalorians do. don't do. Unless you've seen any of the precursing shows, then you know what they always do. But still, it's one of the one of the questions we'll get to next in the next episode. Right. Um, and the, together they, they go fight uh, a Kree dragon, which, again, throwback to the giant skeleton in the middle of the desert that 3PO walks by in the beginning yep. of Star Wars. Uh, and with the help of some sand people, they – I'm actually beginning to like the sand people after right. the Mandalorian. Yeah, they, they've kind of re-portrayed them, and they're not as bad as we thought they were. See, and, and this is just – you know, it's this just is, more of it. This it's is back, the back, it's, it. it's back to Darth Vader's, you know, you know we're troubled love what was love bad is man. not necessarily bad. They're just misunderstood. They're misunderstood. So uh, – But they still travel in single file. file they have numbers. numbers, which is good. So – We've uh, seen episode one, which which brought us back to Tatooine. We find out that we see Boba Fett, but it's not Boba Fett. It's Cobb Vanth wearing Boba Fett's armor. And then in the end of the episode, as the, the Mandalorian's riding off into the sunset, we actually see Boba Fett. Right. Tamira Morrison, guest star in a brief clip. Yes, of him uh, standing in the desert. Right. Not wearing his armor. Nope. Because obviously he's a lot much bigger. Yes. A lot lot bigger. A lot bigger than he was. (laughs) And then it moves us on to episode two, which is called The Passenger, where Mando gets a a 
a informant that offers to tell him where more Mandalorians are if they transport a passenger. The frog lady. The frog lady. And this now becomes one of the most talked about moments in Star Wars history. She is carrying a thing of her frog eggs, which Baby Yoda finds like Tic Tacs. Which are essentially uh, the only other... Of her race. Correct. Because she's like the last frog lady. She's trying to meet her frog husband so they can actually fertilize the eggs. And uh, she's traveling with them and, and Baby Yoda just declares a buffet. Right. <laughs> and, and there was a lot, a lot of feedback online about this and I find it hilarious. It's like, you know, Anakin slays a room thrill of children with a lightsaber and everyone's like, well, you know, he's Darth Vader. Baby Yoda eats like three frog eggs in the and world. Suddenly, yeah, right, the world he, loses its mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, the funny thing is this this uh, episode was meant to be uh, somewhat humorous. Uh, it was directed by Peyton Reed, who directed Ant-Man 1 and Ant-Man and the Wasp, which were two movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he's known for, you know, doing funny, dark kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, I've read some, some talk from some of the script writers who said, you know, things just didn't go the way they thought it would. They thought it would be a little funnier. Um, I mean, I thought it was hilarious. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have a dark sense of humor. But oh, I just thought it it was funny. I thought it, I I thought it was a good little joke to throw in there. You know, throughout the the series thus far, we've seen uh, Baby Yoda eat a few snacks here and there. Right. You know, so to but to, those were fully formed frogs. Right. To and see they him, the last of us. To see him, you know, using that like a vending machine, I thought was funny. But uh, obviously. You know, one of the big uh, other big things was you know they they're they can't travel at light speed because it'll damage the eggs. Something that we've never heard thus far in the Star Wars universe. And they get pulled over by space cops, right? In um, X-wings. Yes, two X-wings pull them over, and uh, you know, recognizing the Razor Crest from the jailbreak in um, Episode Six, the guns are the prisoner. They uh, attempt to stop said vehicle. And obviously, the, the Mandalorian tries to get away. They end up on the planet with those really scary spider giant spiders, which which were actually concept art for Empire Strikes Back. Right. They were supposed to inhabit Hoth. So again, you know, you go back to some throwback Star Wars, and just when all appears to be lost, the two X-wing pilots reappear, save the day, and pretty much they uh, allow the Mandalorian to go free since he captured. Uh, you know, they watched the videotapes of what went on down on the ship and uh, the Mandalorian trying to, to save one of the rebel uh, corrections officers. They they give him a pass uh, this time. They don't help him repair the ship. Right. They kill the spiders and they and kind they of just off. take off, uh, which leads us to episode three, which, by the way, the episodes this season are getting noticeably shorter. Yeah. You know, the first episode is about 54 minutes. This one's about mid 30 minutes. So, yeah. You know, one, one of my uh, main complaints about the series, other than the fact that there are only eight episodes per season, uh, is just that they are so short. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't mind, you know, a 45-minute episode, but then again, six minutes of that is him just walking, walking. with music in the background. <laughs> uh, so that that's a little rough. So uh, we have episode 11, the the Harris, 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 me, Harris the Harris, the Harris. Uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who, uh, as we know, is the daughter of actor Ron Howard, That's legendary right. this actor. Is, this is her second time directing it is. a Mandalorian episode. And um, I, I have to say, you know, they, you know, like actors and actresses, and when they direct stuff, they throw in 
you know, like we always say Easter eggs or weenies right. or whatever we call them. You know, I, I think one of the best Easter eggs I've ever seen was, you know, the Mandalorian ship is really banged up. He's heading in uh, to, to try to land on uh, the planet. And as he's entering the atmosphere, the condensation is on all the panels and raining down on him. And it's the almost the exact like scene from Apollo, from Apollo 13, 13 in, directed by right Ron Howard. Ron so Howard. I thought that was a great, great. And I know that uh, she's already actually made some comments that that was done obviously on purpose mm-hmm. as a little nod to her father. And I think that was an excellent, excellent, uh, you know, way to, to, to kind of throw a little shot to, to dad. Right. Um, and as a side note, do you know what Ron Howard's weenie in or Easter egg in all of his movies was? Well, usually his brother, his brother Clint. Yes, his brother Clint would always yeah. star in every movie, right? Uh, that he that he made. So they uh, land on the moon of Trask, which is like an ocean planet. The Frog Lady is re- uh, reunited to her husband, who who then sends the Mandalorian to a diner. Uh, where the this time Baby Yoda could eat some proper food, a nice chowder. Did did they end up getting enough uh, of their eggs uh, to be fertilized? Uh, that we'll, well, you you we'll talk about that at the end because okay. that's the end of the episode. Um, so in the uh, in the the diner, they come across you know uh, someone who gives them a little tip that they could take them to his kind of people, and they head out on a boat. You know, which I find, you know, things you find funny about the Star Wars universe. They have vehicles that fly, right. yet they're out on a, but boat. They're on a boat. But still, you know, like, it was like a sailboat with like a futuristic it, sail. It's not even like a cool, like, hydrofoil. Right, right. It was like a, a it was like watching an episode of The Deadliest Catch. Right. It's like a sea cat yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> so, like something you're doing uh, out in front of, you know, Bay Lake in front right. of Contemporary. <laughs> so uh, the big moment now is that the Mandalorian's on the boat. They're heading out to see some more Mandalorians. They show them a mammacore, which they are transporting some type of carnivorous creature that lives in the water. And he throws Baby Yoda into the beast. And the Mandalorian jumps in to try to get him. And they try to, they're basically trying to uh, kill Mando to get his armor. And suddenly, three Mandalorians come to the rescue. Or what we think are Mandalorians. Or, or what we think are Mandalorians come to the rescue. They kill the crew. They save Baby Yoda and Mando. And. Just as they're introducing themselves, they remove their helmets, which immediately causes, you know, the Mandalorian to to jump back and to to ask him about what their helmets. Right. The first Mandalorian introduces herself as Bo-Katan. And now this is where a lot of us diehard Star Wars fans fell out of our chairs because Bo-Katan is the leader of the Mandalores going back to the Clone War cartoon series. Okay. And, you know, if you remember the... The final episode of the of the first season of The Mandalorian, you know, uh, the the uh, em- the Imperial officer cuts himself out of the Tie Fighter with right. the dark saber. Yeah. And when we last saw the dark saber, it was in Bo-Katan's hands as she was on Mandalore. Okay. So now, see, yeah. I don't watch the cartoons. Okay. So yeah. So the 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 last time we see the dark saber, it's been returned to Bo-Katan. It was in her family as the leaders of Mandalore. And that's kind of where we thought it was. So at okay. the end of last season, when you first saw, you know, the the uh, the dark saber, Moff Gideon, you know, having it, you wondered how did he get it? Mm-hmm. You know, because it, we knew where that was in the Star Wars timeline. We knew right. who should have had it. So uh, when taking off their helmets, and the Mandalorian brings up the fact that they took their helmets off, they explain to the Mandalorian that he he believes in a 
ancient way of the Mandalorian, which they refer to as the Watch, which again, if you are a fan of the Star Wars Clone Wars, you would know that the Watch was Death Watch, and they were a much more extreme group of Mandalorians. They were they were much more into fighting their own way out rather than uh, to pairing up with the Jedi or with the, the uh, Alliance or the at the time the Galactic Republic for help. So upset by this, you know, the Mandalorian flies out of there and heads back to land. A little while later, he's walking through town and the crew of the trawler that they, that the, uh, they were on come, the, the brother of the crew comes looking for Mando because he wants to know what happened to his brother. He killed my brother. Uh, Bo-Katan shows back up with her friends. They take everybody out. And, uh, they basically explain to him that, you know, the, the Imperials still hold Mandalore and that her team is trying to steal weapons to try to retake Mandalore from the Empire, which is a little bit funny, you know, because we're five years past Jedi. Yeah. You know, thus far, we've seen the Empire to be disorganized and remnants. You know, most of the stormtroopers' armors are dirty. Most of their equipment is kind of old. Yet this is the first time we see, you know, glaring white stormtroopers, uh, Imperial ships that are, are up to snuff with all of their stuff. So uh, the, the Empire obviously is still a force, even right. though they're not the force, right. you know. <laughs> um, yeah, they're just disjointed because yeah. they've been beaten. So she tells the Mandalorian that in exchange for uh, help, taking the the Imperial weapons ship, they will trade him information to uh, to help him find the Jedi to return the child to. Mando drops by his babysitting service, which is now the Frog Lady. Right. And, and in exchange for the Mando's ride, you know, uh, they have the Frog Lady babysit. They go on the mission. They take over the ship. Moff Gideon does make a quick appearance uh, via Skype like everybody nowadays, if you will, telling them to crash the ship. They don't. The Mandalorians win. But uh, Bo-Katan then gives the Mandalorian an offer to him to join them. He refuses. And then she tells him that she must go to the city of Caladorn, right? It's Cal- Caladon, I say Caladon. Yeah. Uh, on the florist planet of, of uh, Corvus. Corvus. And then there he'll find the Jedi that he's looking for, and her name is Ahsoka Tana. So now for the, the probably the third time in the episode, we all fell out of our chairs mm-hmm. in, in Star Wars nerdery uh, because we know now that Ahsoka is still alive after the, the, the Civil War and where she is, and he's on his way to see her. Uh, the episode ends, obviously, with Mando going to pick up Baby Yoda, or the child, from the frog people. And this time, Baby Yoda's playing with um. the uh, hatched... Uh, I think they're polywog. Would a polywog be the appropriate? Yeah, okay. I'm trying to reach back to like third grade science Um, with the the frog children's offspring. So he's learned his lesson. He's He's not eating them. Uh, You know, he's playing with them now. So a little bit of a complicated uh, explanation there. The episode, again, a lot of hints back to the Clone Wars uh, and even Star Wars Rebels. If If you're familiar with the show Star Wars Rebels, there was even some crossover, especially with the Sokatana and Bokatana in the Rebels show, mm-hmm. uh, which actually takes place. The Star Wars Rebels show, for those of you who are not big Star Wars fans, is the beginning of the rebellion. So the Empire is at its strongest. It's it's just about to start uh, dealing with the rebellion. So we've seen a couple of them, um, you know, a couple of, of instances of this before. Right. So now, do you think that the the storylines are a little disjointed? 
Like season one ends, you've got Moff Gideon cutting himself out of the Tie Fighter yeah, with a dark like, saber, and, and then he disappears. Right, for three we're, weeks. we're three. Right, we're three seasons in, and um, you know we haven't uh, seen anything yet. Right, we haven't picked that storyline up. Right, we have no idea where um, uh, Cara Dune or uh, Grief Karga are. You know, uh, we have no idea what happened to Werner Herzog. Um. You know, these people just kind of are there and then they disappear and then they show up. So there's a lot of intertwining of storylines. And I I almost kind of wish that they would focus uh, because, you know, like I said, you don't see Moff Gideon for three weeks and then all of a sudden he shows up for a second. And now, you know, he's going to be the big bad guy in the next couple of episodes. Right. So So. I I agree 100 percent that the the, I, you know, again, though, I'm I'm going under the assumption that we're building. Mm-hmm. You know, the first episode was really to get us in, and it did a great job. I think the first episode of this season might have been my best episode yet uh, of all of them with the the Krayt Dragon and Timothy Ophelia's character. Now, do you think we're going to see Boba Fett again? Yes, 100%. So we're headed back to Tatooine? I think 100% we're headed back. Or Boba Fett is following him, you know, okay. one of the two. But, uh, you know, I think that the second episode was kind of they, – they, they built us up. They gave us this great episode. Then came the passenger, and that was kind of cool us off a little bit. And then, you know, episode three, we fell out of our chairs with all the crossovers between the Star Wars Clone Wars and the the Rebel show. So I'm very excited for episode four, which will be out in a couple more days. Um, you know, it is it is one thing too with the you know Mandalorian. A lot of shows when they're dropped on streaming services, the entirety is dropped right. the season, and that leads you to binge watch. Where the Mandalorian has been week for week, and it, uh, I'm kind of liking it as much as as much as I'm like, oh my god, more! You know, I I, I got to know what happens. I right. like the they're they're doing a great job of using this to build hype. Well, and, and suddenly it's like it's 2005 all over again, where you've got to you know you've got appointment television. You know, Correct on Fridays it's Mandalorian. Correct, Day. Uh, and and I think. You know, Disney does this. It's a very popular show. It's kind of like The Walking Dead. You know, The, the Walking Dead, uh, even though it's on network television, uh, you know, they release their episodes. There are multiple versions of the show, and they 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 each run for a, a 16-week season. And then the next show starts. And, and I think what Disney's doing is they're taking their tentpole shows and the shows that are they're going to build the service around, and Mandalorian's going to be an eight-week show. And then once the Mandalorian ends, what comes up next in January? You've got the Scarlet uh, WandaVision with the Scarlet Witch and uh, uh, the Vision uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's going to be an eight-week show. And then your next eight weeks will probably be like the Win- uh, the Falcon and the, the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier, right? So you know they're they're kind of spacing things out, which is I, I know initially WandaVision was scheduled to be released in December, right? But then it would have butted heads with the Mandalorian releases. So I think that Disney is trying to get all of these shows and space them out and give you reason to come back. Because if you release them all in one ba- one batch, I think you've got a bunch of people who are going to join the service, binge watch, watch eight episodes of The Mandalorian, and dump the service. Correct. I, I agree 100% as a, as a marketing strategy. I just, again, it's an older way of doing things, if you will, for the, the times, which it's really you know an older way only in the past couple of years. But... I think that the anticipation that they're building is awesome. The hype is there. You know, you go on YouTube, go on any of the chat boards. It's all Mandalorian and it's what's next, what's next. And then it takes days to analyze and digest an episode. Right. 
You know, I find, and again, diehard Star Wars fan, I find myself watching each episode over and over again to, di- to, to, to look for other things, to, to take in what's going on and to digest what's happened. Right. And I think it takes that. Mm-hmm. You know, it does take it. So, yeah, it definitely lends itself to multiple viewings. Uh, but again, that's the work of, uh, you know, series creator John Favreau Correct. and Dave Filoni, who is just a, an encyclopedia of, of Lucasfilm. Yes. Uh, who is an amazing uh, producer and writer uh, and is responsible for a lot of the content. So uh, kudos to them for, for giving and, us The Mandalorian. You know, it's funny because, uh, again, in, you know, going back to Batu, which there's been references from Batu and The Mandalorian, it, that missed the mark. And, and people are still talking so much about how, you know, yeah, it missed the mark, but it's very successful. And of course it's going to be successful. You know, what do you think Disney's, you know, well, look at the wait times and the rides. You know, yeah, what do you think? That people aren't going to go? People are, no, they're going to go. But the concept of the land for what was pitched is so far off of what it's become. Right. You know, and, and again, the they they had one of the greatest, you know, if not the greatest intellectual property you know, in the history of marketing, filmmaking, which is the Star Wars universe, and they blew it. Right. And it's like you you could almost fall down the stairs and still keep this franchise going. Yeah. And I mean, the, the last three movies have shown us, mm-hmm. you know, that you could fall down the stairs and still keep this franchise going. And it just bothers me because I, I don't, you know, when you listen to the to the Imagineers, and these are people who, who you know, are the, the pinnacle of what they're doing. And they talk about that land and how you're going to create your own adventure. And you're, how? How are you going to create your own adventure in a land with 10,000 other people? Right. You know, it's just, I I think they, I think it's like they they had that, uh, you know, they they got too big for their bridges and they had that idea that were, or they think they knew better than what they knew. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't make sense, think about it slower. You know, they knew better than what they knew. And they they had success after success with Cars Land, with Pandora. And it, but they just thought that they could get away with this. And I, I don't know. I guess Galaxy's Edge lately is just bothering me. I think it was a blue sky type of thing where, where they had their idea. They knew what they wanted to do, but the execution was just not done properly. Um, it's still a great area. It's still very popular. You know, it, it's it's success through failure. Correct. You know, the, it's it is a successful failure. It's, you know, it's, it's not what was advertised. Right. There's still a lot of components that that could be made. So who knows? Will there be a phase two to Galaxy's Edge? And I don't know how we went from the Mandalorian to to talking about Disney yeah. to Galaxy's Edge. Well, you know, they of, said that uh, Pedro Pascal's back is hurting, right? Mm-hmm. From carrying Star Wars, right? And he is, he is. <laughs> him, him, and the bounty, and the bounty are, are well, carrying it. You know, I again, I I guess you know, since we're just like I said talking Star Wars and, and this whole thing, I. You know, I mean, I've been to Galaxy's Edge a handful of times now. I've I've uh, ridden both rides. I've I've spent a lot of time there, and it just it bothers me because as such a, a fan of the the source, a fan of the material, that they blew it that bad. And the other thing that I think bothers me is that you know the success of Star Wars is based off of our generation passing it down to a, to a, to the now to the next generation, right? And they pretty much just disregarded. You know, the original material mm-hmm. and, it, and they went with what's there now. And even, you know, if you go to a store nowadays, like trying to find, you know, Luke Skywalker or something from the, the original trilogy is is tough. Right. But that's the, the material because I hate to say it. You know, when I sit down and watch Star Wars with my daughter, I watch Empire Strikes Back. I watch Return of the Jedi. I watch A New Hope. You know? Right. 
I don't watch the new movies. I don't yeah. watch the, the the prequels. You know, I watch the movies that were important to me mm-hmm. and and the characters that were important to me. And I just I I just still want to sit down with the you know the Disney people and ask them like how that, that you know when did the idea of using a familiar thing go you know right to Batu and and how did nobody stop you right you know? <laughs> like I don't know. Well, you know, there's one way you haven't experienced Batu. How's that? And that is with a second dude there. Well, I think that and I think our trip to the Galactic Star Cruiser is going to go down as one of the most epic Star Wars adventures Which ever. they did release some footage, some pictures of the new Galactic Star Cruiser runs, yes. which look very cool. For those who don't know, Galactic Star Cruiser is the uh, Disney boutique resort, which is being built uh, by Hollywood Studios. Scheduled to open maybe late 2021, 2022. We're not quite sure. COVID's got everything uh, in, 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 in limbo. Um, but uh, it looks very cool. Uh, even though that resort is not open, David and I actually have a, uh, you know, we didn't plan it this way, but we're actually going to be in Hollywood Studios on the same day. Hopefully. You know, right? Again, COVID depending. Right. Uh, provided that things don't get shut down again the first week of December. So uh, we will probably uh, definitely do a show on our time together and uh, maybe a little video clip. Uh, but it's good to be back in the studio. Good yes. to be talking with David. Hope you guys enjoyed our talk on the Disney uh, Plus streaming service and uh, The Mandalorian and all things Star Wars. Uh, and, and you know what, Yeah. I, have you seen that show on Pompeii? I was just going to ask you if you've seen <laughs> that show on Pompeii. <laughs> So uh, until next time, I'm Tony. I'm David. And And we're we're Two Dudes Talking Disney. Disney.